0: The spirit of God is moving upon his people and he is raising up a generation that is prepared for power that will touch this world. They lived amongst the ruins, they were the last human force The remnant that refused to serve the robot Trojan horse Forced to migrate underground, avoiding drones and scans To navigate the darkness and get birth without implants The time we knew was coming, the breaking of the seals Unfolding right before our eyes, the antichrist revealed Technology advanced beyond the scope of human hands Attached itself inside the solar land and took command But those who saw it coming were the fragment that remained Avoiding the enslavement and the merging of all brains They were forced below the surface in the darkness of the caves Inside the belly of the beast that carry on the flame Black relics from the past, they were progenitors of truth. No human leader, but the word of God to show them through. But they counted themselves worthy to suffer for His name. A blessing to be living and rejoicing through the pain. They were born to be survivors, predestined for that time. Protected and preserved to be a witness to the blind, like those who came before this—the Daniels and the Jonas, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace, like Noah in the flood. They were preserved inside the ark. A chosen few remained, and were uniquely set apart. The world turned all against him, yet their mission still remained. They lived to stay alive, and Christ knew that die was gain. They have been in the wilderness. They have been the caves. They have been obscurity. They have been behind the scenes. No one has known their names. No one even recognized them. But they have been
1: recognized by heaven. Because they have been seeking the face of the Father. And calling on God.
0: Behind the saint, heaven knows their name, and hell knows their name. Now it's all a distant memory before the singularity. Long before technology invaded our biology, like history repeating, it was written to unfold. These mysteries all meaning to the oldest story told. They built upon the tower until Babylon gave birth, attempting to be gods by making flesh and iron merge. Although we saw it coming, we didn't know it was so near. Some tried to look away, to ignore their deepest fears. but with each passing moment, it enveloped every mind. Through comfort and convenience and expanding human lives, expanding information to explosive to contain beyond the scope and understanding of our tiny brains it soon became the norm to
1: transform the human form the brewing of a coming storm we've never seen before the day we started customizing
0: children by design and modifying DNA to make ourselves divine first the powerful elitists all began to get implants the rich and famous followed suit to be the most advanced they thought themselves enlightened so much wiser and evolved most didn't know the root of all this evil was involved uploaded all their minds inside an AI quantum hive made in the image of a man a beast now come alive they relinquished all control and put their trust in the machine And extinguish any chance a soul could ever be redeemed. And God is bringing it out to the forefront in this time to change the course of history and change a generation and bring a revolution of revival. So one day, this last generation will step right into heaven. heaven.
1: are now listening to the place for unfiltered, no-holds-barred truth from the Word of God, The Remnant Report. I am your host, The Remnant Warrior. Here, you will learn what's really going on in this world we live in, as well as what you can do about it. Make no mistake, friends, we are right in the middle of a war for no less than your very souls. The enemy has spies everywhere and will certainly use every weapon that he has because he knows that his time is short. From the very beginning, God declared his end. From on Calvary's tree, we find forgiveness of our sin. So he who hath an ear, let him hear. Open your eyes, so now you can see. The king is coming in the clouds with 10,000 of his holy ones to save the righteous, judge the wicked, and slay the prophet and the beast. So now, let's get this program started.
2: want to show that the darn
3: vaccine is full of it's full
4: of shit tell us about who this person is
3: dr gonzalez is one of our emergency room doctors at phoenix indian medical center
4: and she's a federal employee
3: correct now you got this guy in room four who got his second dose mm-hmm. of vaccine mm-hmm. um on tuesday has been short of breath he's got
2: myocarditis yes all this is bullshit. I, and now let's see. It.
3: Probably died of due to the vaccine, right? But
2: now they're not going to blame the vaccine. Well, and you know what? But he has an obligation to report that, doesn't he? They are not reporting, right? Because they want to shove it under the yeah under the the, the,
3: the mat.
4: What patient was she referring to? She was
3: uh, referring to that patient, that thirty-something-year-old patient that had congestive heart. Congestive
4: failure. heart failure, and in that particular patient's case, it was not
1: reported.
3: No.
2: The well, I mean, here they are not doing the studies, people that had it, you know, right. and the people that have been uh, uh, vaccinated, they're not doing any um, antibody testing. It's, super it's not
0: that it hasn't been done, it hasn't been published.
2: That's it all. hasn't probably uh, been done because the government doesn't want to show that the darn vaccine is full of, it's full of shit.
4: The government doesn't want to show that the vaccine is full of shit.
3: It's not doing what it, its purpose was.
4: May I see your badges? You're Jody O'Malley with the Department of Health and Human Services. This is the United States government identification. I'm looking at the CDC website. It says that you're required to report adverse events following vaccinations. One of those would be uh, congestive heart failure. That's a huge one. Were there other instances that they they didn't report?
3: Oh, I've seen dozens of people come in with an adverse reaction. Yeah, it's really sad. She had just come back from surgery from
4: leave. So what are we looking at here?
3: You're looking at me transferring her um, to uh, a higher level of care that could handle her condition.
4: And this is a, col- a colleague at your hospital who got sick.
3: She didn't want to take it because of her religious beliefs. And she was coerced into taking it.
4: Why are you choosing to blow the whistle? It's not what a lot of people would do. They're scared. They're afraid. Are you afraid?
3: I wouldn't necessarily say I'm afraid because my faith lies in God and not man. This is evil at the the highest level. You have the FDA, you have the CDC that are both supposed to be protecting us.
4: Are you afraid they're going to retaliate against you?
3: Yeah. I'm a federal employee. What other federal employees do you see coming out?
4: But you put your faith in God.
3: Amen.
2: The government doesn't want to show that the darn vaccine is full of shit.
4: If you're registered people who are vaccinated, let's stop in their journey. I'm gonna go through
2: it for instead of
0: going. I'll check your Don't get me Slide it She didn't
3: want to take it because of her religious beliefs. She was coerced into taking. it. They are not reported because they want to show it on the the
4: Why are you choosing to blow the whistle? Are you afraid?
3: I wouldn't necessarily say I'm afraid. My faith lies in God and not man. My name is Jody O'Malley, and I'm a master's prepared registered nurse.
4: First of all, your hospital is run by HHS, correct?
3: I work for Health and Human Services um, with a uh, Indian Health Services branch for the Native Americans.
4: You, you, these are federal employees.
5: Yes. I work for the government, so I mean,
4: the main thing is we have to follow. I know. I mean, that's another the thing. The I don't know how much longer I'll be here. And the
5: protocols
4: <laughs> here. I know. Are the policies and administrators coming directly from the federal government? Yes.
2: No, I mean, he, they are not doing the studies. People that had it, you know, right. and the people that have been uh, uh, vaccinated, they're not doing
3: any um, antibody testing. Now you got this guy in room four who got his second dose mm-hmm. of vaccine mm-hmm. um, on Tuesday, has been short of breath, okay? Now his BNP is elevated, D-dimer elevated, ALT, oh. all his liver enzymes are elevated. His PT, PTINR inr is He's elevated. He's got myocarditis. Yes!
2: Oh, this is bullshit. I and, and now, uh, let's see. Probably Bancar died due to the vaccine. Right. But now they're not gonna
3: blame the vaccine. Well, and you know what? But he has an obligation to report that, doesn't he? Oh, it yes. happened. Right, what is it? Sixty days after if you see uh, anything? They have got to. But how many people report. are
2: reporting? They are not reporting. Right. Because they want to shove it under the yeah. under the
3: the, the, the mat.
4: In this instance with Doctor Gonzalez what patient was she referring to or without saying she was of...
3: uh, referring to that patient that had congestive heart congestive failure.
4: heart failure and yeah. in that particular patient's case it was not reported.
3: no i'm going to have to transfer you to
2: another hospital
4: okay.
2: we don't have cardiologists here and what you're developing is like a congestive heart failure mm. okay and, and that's not good i don't know where this is coming from mm. on July 29th you had the first COVID vaccine mm. And August 19th, you had the second, you know, you don't have COVID, okay, but you have got a lot of symptoms, you know, and you're developing congestive
3: heart failure.
4: Were there other instances that they, they didn't report?
3: Oh, I've seen dozens of people come in with adverse reactions. Was
4: one of the ones you saw, a 15-year-old with blood clots?
3: Yes. Yeah, so I was um, just covering a nurse. Um, he's in here with bilateral PEs, but he's fine. And I'm like, okay. So he wasn't on oxygen or anything like that. And I said, was he um, vaccinated? And then she's like, I don't know. So then I looked in the chart and he was. He had the Pfizer vaccine at the end of July and he was due for a second dose. So this is essentially two to three weeks later. Most likely cause of hypoxia, unusual PE at this age unclear etiology they don't know why he got it
4: so how do we know that the blood clots or how do you know that the blood clots are a result of the covid vaccine
3: because this is a 15 year old normal weight healthy child no reason for him to have a blood clot it's a shame they're not treating people i know <laughs> like they're supposed to like they should and i think they don't want it to die. <laughs> And how many of you seen that have gotten vaccinated here? The basic and yeah. side effects? A lot. A lot? Have you seen it too? Yeah. And yeah, so I'm who's like, e. e. writing P. the
2: virus report? Nobody, because it takes over a half an hour to write the down. Why? Right.
4: The CDC website, it says that you're required to report adverse events following vaccinations. Is there a policy at the hospital for reporting these complications? No.
3: There's never been any directive sent out on reporting. With this vaccine, we are in stage three clinical trials. Normally, stage three clinical trials is where you gather your data. What the responsibility on everyone is, is to gather that data and report it. And if we're not gathering that data and reporting it, then how are we going to say that this is safe and approved for use? How come after 18 months we haven't had any it's, research? Isn't that fishy to you? It, doesn't, it does. not not It's super fishy. It's not
0: that it hasn't been done. It hasn't been published.
2: <laughs> it it been hasn't probably uh, been done because the, the government doesn't want to show that the darn vaccine is full, of, is full of
4: shit. What does she mean by full of shit?
3: It's not doing what it, its purpose was.
4: And what, did, what is Dr. McGee saying in that video?
3: He's trying to defend the vaccine.
4: Why would he do that?
3: because that's his view on it okay his view is get the vaccine it's science right if we all just get it this will all be over with such a bunch of bullshit
0: and what do we do i don't know
3: but there's so much i want to blow up so much how do we do that
4: why are you choosing to blow the whistle? It's not what a lot of people would do. They're scared, they're afraid.
3: What prompted me to do this was when I was house supervisor one night and one of my coworkers had taken the vaccine and she didn't want to. She had went throughout this entire pandemic working in the intensive care unit. It pretty much was a COVID unit. Yeah, it's really sad. She had just come back from surgery from leave two weeks ago, a little over two weeks, and then, um, got her first dose of vaccine after surviving this entire pandemic. She didn't want to take it. She didn't want to take it because of her religious beliefs. And she was coerced into taking it. And it's like, nobody, nobody should have to decide between their livelihood, being a part of the team in the hospital, or take the vaccine. Now, now now, we're just making people take it, and then there's reactions to it, and then you have a medication that has been shown effective and surely has no adverse reactions for trying it. Did um, Dr. Bakwad talk to you about prescribing ivermectin for... Not allowed at this facility. And so physicians can't um, prescribe off-label use medication here? Not for COVID. They did it with hydroxychloroquine and they, it was really bad and so they are not allowing it right now. She said yes. Um, I would agree to write for this because she's not contraindicated. And Dr. Bagua said so that? Yes. I am, I am stuck. I
4: am told you are absolutely not to use it under any circumstances whatsoever for somebody with COVID unless you don't want to have a job. I am not going to lose my job. Damn! Anymore. They were not allowing... They're going to lose their job if they allowed you to use that drug. Right. Nuts.
3: Right now, I'm, what is plaguing this country is the spirit of fear. Are you afraid? It's my career. you know. It's how I'll help people. Um, but am I afraid? I wouldn't necessarily say I'm afraid um, because my faith lies in God and not man. So I have um, two older kids that are on their own. And I have a 12-year-old at home um, that I care for on my own. You know, like, what kind of person would I be if I, if I knew all of this? This is evil. This is evil at the, the highest level. You have the FDA. You have the CDC that are both supposed to be protecting us, but they are under the government. And everything that we've done so far is unscientific.
4: Are you afraid they're going to retaliate against you?
3: Yeah. I'm a federal employee. What other federal employees do you see coming out?
4: But you put your faith in God. Amen. How deception, propaganda. A new book by James O'Keefe. Pre-order now at AmericanMuckraker.com.
5: Everybody, My name is Nicole. I am an ICU nurse and I have been a COVID crisis response travel nurse since April of 2020. I'm making this video today to share some information with you that I think a lot of people don't know. um, But you are being lied to and I think that people need to know this information. Um, So I have a list of things that I want to talk to you about. And if you learn anything, please share this information because the more people that know, the better. Um, so the first of many lies is that you are being led to believe that there are no treatments for COVID. The only messaging that you hear is that vaccines and masks are the only tool that we have to fight this pandemic, and it is a downright lie. Um, please go listen to the Joe Rogan, uh, Joe Rogan Experience excuse me, podcast, 1671. Uh, it's with evolutionary biologist Dr. Brett Weinstein and a, an ICU doctor named Dr. Pierre Corey, was part of a group of... Um, of doctors led by Dr. Paul Merrick, uh, who incidentally I worked with for three years, and they have been looking at the use and the effectiveness of ivermectin, which is being used around the world with astounding results to treat and prevent COVID. Um, If you learn, or if you take nothing else from this video, and if you wanna know what is really going on with COVID, please go listen to that podcast and just start there. Um, So the first thing I wanna tell you what they go over in that podcast, uh and like i said it's about ivermectin if you don't know what ivermectin is it is an antiparasitic drug that has been showing really promising antiviral um, properties and so when covid first went down all of these doctors around the world were trying to figure out what they what drugs that are currently in use that they could use to potentially fight covid and a group of doctors um, discovered some benefits with ivermectin and uh, it is an FDA-approved drug. It's on the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines. Uh, won the Nobel Prize in 2015, and over 4 billion doses have been given out around the world. Um, it is an extremely well-tolerated drug with minor side effects like nausea, headache, and dizziness. And it is um, safer than aspirin or Tylenol. Um, so in that podcast, they discuss some of the benefits um, out of the studies that people are seeing using ivermectin. And I'll just tell you about a couple of those. Um, there was a study out of Argentina back in December of 2020 in which they um, had 1,200 frontline healthcare workers, which is considered high risk. Um, they gave eight of them, or I'm sorry, 800 of them, prophylactic ivermectin. And prophylactic means preventative. You take it regularly. Um, it's available in pill form. So they gave 800 of them ivermectin and 400 of them they did not. Out of the 400 who did not take ivermectin, 58% of them got COVID. Out of the 800 who were on the ivermectin protocol, zero got COVID. That should be front page news and yet you hear nothing about it um in mexico which a lot of these lesser developed nations um, they don't really have the money to pay large pharmaceutical companies to develop new drugs so they were looking how to repurpose cheap affordable drugs ivermectin is off patent it's been in use since the 70s and um, so there is no financial incentive for the pharmaceutical companies um, to really push it so over in mexico they had seen a benefit with all these studies and they implemented a. a test and treat program and within which is where if somebody tested positive or were very early in showing symptoms um, they gave them ivermectin and within two weeks the hospitalization and death rates completely plummeted hospitalizations in those who took ivermectin versus those who did not were reduced by 75 percent in india and peru um, they're really good examples because they implemented ivermectin in certain states in the country and um, other areas did not in Peru specifically, 24 of their states adopted it, and in one month, their deaths were, death numbers were down 59%. Um, they were down 75% after 45 days. And I just want to show you, because I think this graph does a beautiful job. So what you're looking at here in the blue is the areas where they implemented ivermectin. This is the total deaths in the country. That is the case fatalities for COVID, and then the total cases. And as you can see, when ivermectin was implemented in the blue areas, Cases immediately dropped, the deaths immediately dropped, and I think it gives a really stark contrast to red. The red color is in Lima, Peru, where they did not adopt the ivermectin. And as you can see, their case numbers stayed higher, their deaths stayed higher and for longer. And over here, after they implemented um, ivermectin in the blue areas, their numbers stayed down. Yet in Lima, Peru in the red, they came down initially and then they spiked back up and took much longer to come back down. all over the world, they are seeing benefits with the use of ivermectin. There's a meta-analysis um, by Dr. Tess Laurie, who is actually a consultant for the World Health Organization. And a um, uh, meta-analysis is when somebody up here takes a look at studies down here, they extrapolate the data, they run the numbers, and um, essentially determine like a, um, a summary of those of those um, studies. So she did a meta-analysis, and she found that when ivermectin is used as prophylaxis, it reduced the COVID infection by an average of 86 percent. Which is far higher than the threshold of herd immunity that they've been telling us at 70. Even if it were ineffective at treating COVID in moderate to severe um, cases, when it is used as prophylaxis, ivermectin is capable of driving this virus to extinction. Currently, um, when a patient gets uh, when a patient it comes to the hospital, they're treated with corticosteroids and remdesivir. Um, It should be noted that the importance in treating most viral infections is that you want to treat them early because it's not actually the virus that kills you um, it's your systemic inflammatory response once your immune system um, goes to attack this virus uh, you have this severe systemic inflammatory response so currently in the hospital we use steroids which helps with inflammation so corticosteroids and remdesivir are now the standard of treatment for covid Um, it is becoming well known that remdesivir does nothing it has some pretty significant side effects and it costs about $3,000 $3,000 per treatment versus ivermectin, which would be about $3 per treatment. Um, Corticosteroids have had a great benefit. Uh, we've been seeing it um, in really improving treatment protocols for the um, COVID patients that come in, whether uh, they're in the hospital or in the ICU. Um, Dr. Corey from the podcast actually is the one who, who had this implemented because last May of 2021, he went to the Senate and brought them one study that showed the benefit of corticosteroids being used, and based on that one study, we adopted that protocol nationwide. Um, Currently, there are 60 published controlled trials with 58 of them saying that there are overwhelming positive benefits to the use of ivermectin, and yet you've probably never even heard of it. We have a drug that is safe, it is cheap, it is highly effective, and it is widely available, and it's not being used. There is no other medication to treat COVID that has simultaneously shown impacts on the prevention of transmission, viral clearance, um, which is how long it takes your body to uh, get rid of the virus, the time to clinical recovery, and the survival rates. So, um, Dr. Corey, and this part, and who's part of this group called the FLCCC, um, he brought this information of, of all this amazing potential that ivermectin has. In December of 2020, he went to the Senate and he gave a powerful presentation, and I suggest you look it up. Um, he you know, showed all the benefits, he showed all of this data, and it's still not in And further, his presentation to Senate has been completely wiped from the internet. They removed it from YouTube. Um, Dr. Tesslory, she brought her presentation, her overwhelming, um, her meta-analysis that showed the overwhelming benefits, she brought that to the government in the UK and then that video was posted on YouTube and within three hours, they pulled it down. And if you look at the um, community guidelines for YouTube, it is, uh, it's incredible because you literally cannot speak about ivermectin, you cannot speak about hydroxychloroquine. The censorship is insane. Um, so turns out that if you have a drug on the market that is to treat something if there is a drug available that is safe and effective you cannot get an emergency use authorization merck the maker of uh <laughs> the maker of ivermectin attacked the safety of their own drug they said that there's there doesn't seem to be any benefit and that basically the risks are uh, are too great for one of the safest drugs known to man um turns out merck has a new drug that they think is going to treat covid And so they're seeking an emergency use authorization and the government just gave them $356 million uh, to develop that. The World Health Organization and the FDA will not approve this drug, ivermectin. Um, They say that there's a lack of sufficient data and they want the gold standard of large randomized control trials. The Problem with that is that large randomized control trials cost a lot of money and they take a lot of time and If you're drowning in an ocean and you see a piece of driftwood, why would you not grab onto that? Um, Ivermectin is an opponent to the emergency use authorizations and the profits that can be made that are for drugs that are on patent. Your governing agencies in North America and Europe are doing everything that they can to not approve this drug, despite overwhelming evidence that it is safe and that it works. They are favoring those with financial interests, and we are paying the price. They could have stopped this in December. They knew about it in December and they could stop it now because ivermectin also works on the variants. They could stop this at any point and they are choosing not to. So if you are somebody who has in any way been affected by the pandemic, by COVID, if it bothers you that potentially millions of people around this world have died because they will not put this in use, or if you are a healthcare worker who has watched your patients turn blue and suffocate to death, know without doubt that your government has failed you. The next thing is hydroxychloroquine um, if you all remember in the beginning of covid hydroxychloroquine um, you know trump came out with hydroxychloroquine saying that it was a potential game changer and they were seeing really great benefits with it um that came out of a, a study where it was being used in um in northern new york and they brought it to the government they you know said that this could be a potential game changer and we started implementing it we were using it in the hospitals they were doing controlled trials and then Shortly thereafter, there was a paper published in The Lancet, which is one of the most prestigious uh, medical journals um, that guides the practice of doctors and scientists all over the world. Um, in this paper, they said that they, um, the author said that they had access to a database where they were looking at 90,000 COVID patients um, across six continents, and they found that uh, hydroxychloroquine was causing fatal cardiac arrhythmias and uh, it was showing no benefit in improving cases or prevention or anything like that so immediately the world health organization shut down all clinical trials and pulled it from pulled it from the hospitals and told the doctors they cannot prescribe it um, they couldn't give in the hospitals couldn't give it in the outpatient setting um lo and behold within a week um all the doctors around the world that were looking at this article were writing to the lancet saying this does not make sense explain this and within two weeks the paper was pulled and it is now widely known that the data um, was completely fraudulent it's known as lancet gate um and yet the smear campaign was done they do not tell you that in the hospitals over 78 percent of the patients who have covid and are hospitalized are obese they do not tell you that 80 percent of the patients are vitamin d deficient um, there was a big study that came out of uh, Kaiser Permanente out in California, where they looked at uh, 50,000 patients who were COVID positive and they were trying to find something that um, that correlates for having a poor COVID outcome, whether you would be hospitalized, whether you would go to the ICU, or if you, were die, you would die. And they found that physical inactivity, not moving your body, was the strongest risk factor across all outcomes compared with the commonly cited modifiable risk factors, including smoking, obesity, diabetes, hypertension, cardiovascular disease, and cancer. And yet you don't hear any of this. There is no messaging about proactive steps that you can take in order to improve your outcomes with COVID. If this was about saving lives, if this was about ending the pandemic, we have any number of tools that we can use to defeat it and they are straight up lying to you. Um, So next I wanna talk to you about the case numbers and the testing and how completely artificially inflated they are. Um, So the gold standard for testing is the PCR tests. And the way that these tests are done is that it is essentially there's different levels of sensitivity that you can set it. And those are called cycle thresholds. Um, you know, you have been led to believe that there is a massive crisis. I'll, let, me, let me just go with that. You have been led to believe that there was a massive crisis then and that there is a massive crisis now. And, you know, I just want to show you. Because all these mandates are popping up all over the country. And they are painting this picture that there is a huge crisis. So this is your... CDC, the COVID data tracker. So, you know, New York City just uh, implemented mandates that 50% of the city who is not vaccinated um, cannot go into any indoor dining or any uh, gyms or anything like that. So you would think that there is some sort of crisis that we need to stop, right? So if you look at New York, which has a population of 1.6 million, this is going to be your seven day totals. And currently, because the point of all of this was to not overwhelm the hospitals, remember? In New York, the percentage of the beds that are used for COVID is 1.8%. In the ICU, it is 3%. And if you look at the death numbers in the last week, 11 people out of 100, I'm sorry, 1.6 million have died. And while any death is a tragedy, you have to consider how many lives are affected by the actions that they take. So let's check LA, because they're doing it over there too. Los Angeles, which has a population of 10 million people. They had 8% of their beds used with COVID. And I don't know if this is the number of beds that actually have people in them or the beds that are actually occupied. Same thing with the ICU, only 14%. And 95 people have died. When I looked at this yesterday, it was actually negative uh, 4%, meaning that it was on the downtrend. Make of that what you will. so I also want to show you there is from Johns Hopkins, the weekly hospitalization trends, which shows all of the beds available in the, in the country. You can break this down by state, but currently this is what it looks like. The green is non-COVID beds and the orange is COVID beds. The gray is empty beds. This is for we're all inpatients, and then this is for the ICUs. It does look like it's increasing some, but there's still a lot of space available. So when they tell you when they have the media freaking everybody out by all these case numbers and how overwhelmed everything is, there's not really a crisis. They are manufacturing this to facilitate fear and panic in everybody and people are just falling for it and here we are. So um, let's talk about the inflated case numbers. So the PCR test, the way that they're done, like I said, is a sensitivity test where they can set the cycle thresholds Um, in order to detect the presence or absence of a virus. The creator of the PCR test said that this is not a diagnostic test and that they should not be used for that. And yet they were. And so what we were seeing, you know, in the beginning we were seeing all of these false positives. Uh, People were being tested multiple times because we knew that the testing didn't line up with what we were seeing clinically. You could look at a person who came in for a broken leg and they would test positive and you know, it doesn't match up with what we were seeing. So they had set the sensitivity so high that um, when you set it that high you can pick up the tiniest little molecule particle of something that could be floating in the air or somebody who had covid three months previously or had an asymptomatic case three months ago and it was being picked up on these pcr tests um, which were being run in uh, you know areas where they were doing thousands of tests a day positive tests and negative tests Um, so we were getting all of these false positives, and that affects the case numbers, the hospitalizations, and the deaths. Um, anybody who, everybody who went into the hospital was tested for COVID, and if they happen to have a positive test, they count in that hospitalization number. All of those false positives also count in that hospitalization number, and this applies to the deaths as well. Um, anybody who, like I said, anybody who came into to the hospital, whether they You know got into a car accident or if they were shot in the streets we tested them for covid and those who tested positive were considered a covid death and there is a very big difference between dying with covid and dying from covid multiple government officials have um, stated that those anybody who tests positive with covid is considered a covid death and george floyd died with covid you think covid killed him um you know furthermore i i have been in I'm not saying COVID isn't real, and I'm not saying that there are not people who were hospitalized and had positive cases, and that there weren't people that died from it, because there certainly were. I was in, I've been in eight hospitals across four states since this started, and I went to New York, I went to New Jersey first, and it was busy. And yes, New York got hard, got hit hard, but most hospitals across this nation were fine. And further than that, they were actually empty, because Um, you know, they canceled all non-emergent surgeries and they, you know, because of there's this big massive freakout, uh, nobody was coming into the hospital because they were afraid they were going to catch COVID there. And that has had long detrimental effects. But most hospitals reported massive losses this year, and so there were financial incentives. Um, you know, hospitals were getting money from the government to take care of COVID patients. So I have personally seen people walk into the hospital from their house two blocks away, incidentally test positive for COVID oxygen saturations are 98% on room air, their labs look completely fine and they admit them. Oftentimes those patients are put into actual like covid wards with actually infectious people. The you know the media has spun this and they have created so much fear and you know everybody is scared to leave their house because they are convinced that they're going to get covid if they go anywhere when in reality you know there are 330 million people in this country. And I think there's 35 million uh, cases so far, that's about 10%. And if you count in the false positives, it's even less than that. And yet everybody is afraid to leave their house. They're, you know, giving up their lives basically for the last 18 months. When in reality, COVID overwhelmingly only affects people who are above the age of 70 and, or, or ill, if they have multiple comorbidities and they're, you know more likely to be severely affected by COVID in reality. If you are above related to influenza if you are above the age of 70 you have a slightly bigger chance of dying from covid than you do from influenza if you are below the age of 70 you are less likely to die of covid than you are of the flu and i have you know, there are so many people who are convinced and brainwashed by the media that this is a plague and that they need to lock themselves in their house and wear seven masks and it's it is wrong you have been emotionally manipulated and you still are so With the testing um it's interesting to note that on january 20th which is inauguration day the world health organization instructed all of the labs to lower the cycle threshold and decrease the sensitivity and what you saw was immediately right here around january 20th the cases dropped completely the fatalities dropped completely once you um you know lower the cycle threshold to a more reasonable amount, and all of a sudden, uh, Joe Biden fixed COVID and vaccines work. Um, So, let's talk about vaccines. Now, I'm not here to tell you not to get a vaccine, and I fully support that that is the right of every person to make a risk-benefit analysis, um, and they should. Um, But there are things that I want to discuss. So. Most vaccines and most drugs take like 10 to 15 years to come to market because they have to prove over a period of time that they are safe and that they are effective. Operation Warp Speed pushed this brand new experimental gene modification therapy through in 11 months. Clinical and I am disturbed by the number of healthcare workers who do not realize that we are still in clinical trials. Clinical trials for these vaccines go until the end of 2022 and the beginning of 2023. We are in clinical trials, they are monitoring the reactions for two years. So um, our clinical trials, the only thing that they tested for in the clinical trials was the presence of side effects and the presence or absence of symptoms. They did not test them weekly. They didn't do a PCR test on them or anything. They merely checked for two months if they had symptoms from COVID. And that's where you get your 95% effectiveness if they made it two months without having symptoms or dying. not surprised that you know now they're finding that vaccinated people can transmit the virus and that they can carry similar viral loads because these vaccines were never designed or tested to prevent transmission or to stop you from getting it they merely detected whether or not you got the symptoms or not so you know right now it looks like it looks the numbers and everything that we're seeing does look like that those have that have been vaccinated are less likely to have symptoms for a period of time um you know, now that booster shots are a thing, we are learning that at about the six month mark, the immunity begins to fade. Um, So one of my favorite things, people love to say that, you know, this is not a new technology, it's been around for 30 years, and that is true, but it has never made it past animal trials because all of the animals died. Um, this, This technology, the mRNA technology, and it should also be noted that coronaviruses we, you know, this is a novel coronavirus, but we've been living with coronaviruses, and they've never been able to develop a vaccine because of what they find when they do. Um, so, with this technology, um, and with, so with the coronavirus, and this is also seen with um, other vaccine developments with uh, RSV, with dengue, with HIV. Uh, in the animal trials, when this technology was used previously for SARS-CoV one we are in SARS-CoV-2, when they tried to use this technology to develop a vaccine for SARS-CoV-1, what they found was that all of the animals, you know, they they vaccinated them and they had a they had a period of immunity, and then after that, when they were re-exposed to the virus, they all died, and they attribute that to a condition which is known as antibody-dependent enhancement and that is a phenomenon that they find with the development of certain vaccines and i think uh, certain viruses um lead to that as well naturally but antibody dependent enhancement is essentially when you are vaccinated with something and your immune response you, um, once those that immunity starts waning and you are re-exposed to the virus again you have an overwhelming immune response that eventually um it can be severe or it can kill you and uh that's what they found with this technology, when it was used previously in every other effort. That is why it has never it has never previously made it to human trials because all of the animals die. So, um, as we are hitting you know six months, eight months into our vaccination campaign, we are hearing now that all of these breakthrough cases are happening, and I just want to show you something. This is from today. Israel, Australia report 95 to 99% of the hospitalized were fully vaccinated. And just listen to this. This is in Sydney, Australia.
0: Um, There are a number of people in hospital, Um, 141 people are in hospital with COVID at present, and 43 in intensive care, 18 of whom require ventilation. So this is a very serious disease. Of those 141, 60 um, are under the age of 55, and 28 under the age of 35. And of the 43 people in intensive care, um, one is in their teens, seven are in their 20s, three are in their 30s, 14 are in their 15s, and 12 are in their 60s, and six are in their 70s. So this is affecting people of all ages with very serious disease. All the one um, are vaccinated. One person has just received one dose of vaccine.
5: I do not speak this language, but there are subtitles, so please pay attention
2: to the bottom. Dr.
5: Herzog.
2: and are percent percent and the of the and a sorry
0: i thought
5: i needed that one down below but what we're seeing um in all of these places especially smaller places um that started their vaccine campaigns earlier and um, have a high rate of the population are vaccinated, that more and more breakthrough cases are happening and it's happening among the vaccinated. And now I'm not saying that this is happening, I'm not trying to sensationalize, but it can be argued that you know if you have a population that where most of them are vaccinated, it makes sense that any breakthrough cases would be among a vaccinated person. However, in Australia, they have one of the lowest vaccination rates. It's like 20% for the country and they, In Sydney, Australia, there are 15% of people who are vaccinated. And what concerns me, if you listened, is the ages of the people that he said. You know, COVID traditionally affects people who are old um, or ill. And yet in Sydney, Australia, they have a hospital full of vaccinated people who are in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s. And I find this concerning, and it's something to think about. The inventor of mRNA technology, Dr. Robert Malone, you know, virologists and doctors all over the world have been (laughs) warning about the possibility of antibody-dependent enhancement, and Dr. Malone thinks it's happening. There's no test to um, determine what, you know, if you have it. It's it's based on, you know, you look at if the vaccinated people are experiencing these side effects, and you can can look at the nasal titers as well, which is where they swab and they look at the viral load, and there are also reports coming out that people who are vaccinated are having higher viral loads than those who are not when they are re-exposed to the virus. So it's something to think about and it is concerning. And if 70% of this country has been vaccinated and 80% of healthcare workers have been vaccinated, what happens if this goes south? So um, another thing with the vaccines is because of this was, you know, operation work speed, they they cut corners in certain areas. And when they did their biodistribution studies, which is where they study where the virus um, goes throughout the body in order to determine where it lands. And apparently, when Pfizer did theirs, they substituted um, what the actual vaccine, like the active component of the vaccine, they used a different protein when they did their biodistribution studies. Um, I don't know much about this, and I can't figure out if it's reliable or not, but there are a lot of reports that the spike protein is cytotoxic. That is a pathogenic protein, um, meaning it damages cells or kills cells. So uh, recently there was, um, apparently when they brought the vaccines over to Japan, they wanted to do their own biodistribution studies. And so it's recently come out that when they did theirs, they found that, they, they look at the little, um, it's called the nanolipid particle. It's like the lipid that carries the, the um, technology through the body. And currently the working model is that you get the injection in your shoulder and it stays there um, and it doesn't go throughout the body. However, in this Japanese study, they found that um, across a period of time that it is heavily deposited in the spleen, the liver, the brain, the heart, the bone marrow, breast milk, and particularly heavily in the ovaries. And there are a lot of scientists, there are a lot of scientists and people across the world who are calling for a halt to these vaccines. They're saying we have safe and effective treatments and you know we injected people with toxins and we need to stop this. And yet you don't hear any of this. So I want to talk to you about VAERS, and if you don't know what VAERS is, it is the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, which is where um, injuries to vaccines are reported to the government, because mind you, the pharmaceutical companies, if you didn't know this, they are not liable for any vaccine injuries, um, any of the traditional ones, or this one either. So if you get a vaccine injury, um, you are actually uh, compensated by, uh, I can't remember quite the name of it, um, but there is a fund that Taxpayers pay into for people who have vaccine injuries, so that the pharmaceutical industry, the pharmaceutical companies, are not held liable. So, there's uh, there was a big study out of Harvard that estimates that one percent of vaccine injuries are reported to bears. And I will say, in the last hospital that I was in, um, we weren't asking patients; it was not part of our admission database to ask them if they had a COVID vaccine until like May. So, currently in bears, there are over twelve thousand reports of death. Um, and I will, uh, mind you, anybody can submit a report to bear, so they go through and they verify them. And, um, potentially not, not everybody, you know, not all of these numbers are exactly what they are, but, um, maybe they are too. So over 12,000 deaths, there's 121,000 reports of anaphylaxis, over 8,000 reports of blood clotting disorders, which um, can give you blood clots anywhere throughout your body. Uh, it can also give you heart attacks and strokes and over 2,000 cases of myocarditis and pericarditis. They are seeing uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome, they are seeing Bell's palsy, all sorts of neurological disturbances, seizures. Um, 2,600 pregnant women have have reported adverse events, and I'm sure you've heard that women all over the world are having menstrual irregularities. Um, In the children, because they're doing this to 12 to 17 year olds now, Uh, There are 2300 reports of anaphylaxis, 406 reports of myocarditis and pericarditis, um, and at least 18 reported deaths. I find it criminal that they are doing this to kids, and I cannot help but wonder how much collateral damage we are willing to allow when we have safe and effective alternatives. For those who are vaccine hesitant, they can be given ivermectin, and that will bridge the gap. Kids can be given ivermectin. They don't need to be part of this experimental gene therapy. Um, There is a lawsuit going on right now that has a CDC whistleblower who I guess has access to VARES and a couple other databases that they looked at to evaluate. And she has attested under penalty of perjury um, that there are at least 45,000 deaths that have happened within three days of receiving the vaccine um another thing that i find strange is with these vaccines they are pushing it um, to those who have been uh already had COVID. you know there's this huge debate about around natural immunity and they when sars came back in uh in the early 2000s in in trying to figure out this natural immunity situation scientists nowadays went and found people who had sars and they drew their blood and they found that 17 year, years later they still had a robust immune response so the in the genetic makeup for SARS-CoV-1 which is SARS and SARS-CoV-2 which is COVID um there's about an 8 or I'm sorry about a 20% difference between the gen- genetic makeup of those two um uh viruses <laughs> and with with COVID and with all uh, When they took their blood over here, there's a 20% difference in in these two viruses. And yet those who had SARS and demonstrated that immune response 17 years later, they also found that they were immune to COVID. With the COVID virus, in in all the variants that we know about right now, the furthest genetic makeup that they've been able to identify is 0.3% different than the original virus. It naturally follows that those who have had COVID will absolutely retain natural immunity and do not need to be vaccinated. And I heard this from a gentleman named uh, Dr. Mike Yeadon, Y-E-A-D-O-N. Uh, he, is, he is the former uh, chief science office and vice president of Pfizer. And over the last few months, uh, he has come out and started giving interviews because he is terrified by what he has seen. And I don't wanna to venture too much into the conspiracy theory area. And if you still think that conspiracy theories are a thing, you are not paying attention. But Dr. Eden, and I do not say this lightly, I think he is a hero. And he is terrified by what he is seeing. And he is trying to get the word out. So if you feel like, you know, if you feel like there is any sort of like dark or nefarious stuff going on, please go look up Dr. Geedon and see what he has to say. In regards to children, he thinks that children are 50 times more likely to die from this vaccine than they are of COVID. Um, so, you know, we're having all these adverse re- events and who knows what the long-term effects are gonna be because in case you haven't noticed yet, you know, despite them saying these are safe and effective, they are not. And we have no idea what the long-term effects are gonna be. There are scientists all around the world that are calling to end this vaccine campaign because we have a treatment that is safe and effective. and here we are just pushing mandates and, you know, you have you have seen the desperation. At first it was voluntary and then there were incentives like donuts and lottery tickets. And now it is becoming mandatory and it's concerning. So regarding the mandates and these vaccine passports, they do not make any logical sense for multiple reasons. If vaccinated people and unvaccinated people are both carrying the virus at the same viral loads, then they are both just as likely to infect somebody else. It doesn't make sense because if you are vaccinated, there is no risk to you from a person who may be unvaccinated. If they come around you, it will protect you from the symptoms. And for those who are unvaccinated, they have clearly made that choice, potentially because they are young and healthy and they trust their natural immune system. And that is their choice, that if they wanna live in a world where they may potentially run into a risk um, of somebody else sneezing on them and giving them a cold, then that is their choice. So vaccine passports don't make sense because, you know, if we can both carry and spread the virus in the same way, and if those who are worried about it are protected, what is the point? Um, You know, currently 70% of African Americans in this country are not vaccinated. These mandates and these vaccine passports will absolutely discriminate against them the most. And in a year where we have spent so much focus on fighting racial injustice and on, you know, advocating for equality and respecting people's right to live however they wanna live and identify how they ever however they want to identify, it is blowing my mind that we are literally ushering in segregation and discrimination and people are cheering it on. Like I said, 50% of New York City is vaccinated and these mandates are gonna crush the small businesses that were lucky enough to make it out of 2020. They are talking about locking this country down for a hospitalization rate of 1.8%. And if you don't know what the Great Barrington Declaration is, uh, I would look that up too, because over 65,000 doctors and scientists around the world have said that the lockdowns did not work and that they have caused huge detrimental effects. Suicide rates way up, mental health issues way up, lots of people delaying their care because, you know, they're, they're afraid to leave the house or any number of reasons has led to a a whole bunch of things that have been missed because people aren't going to their normal appointments and the lockdowns, you know, there's many reasons the lockdowns don't work, but even if they worked in the, in the short term, you have to look at the risk to life in the long term and the, the lockdowns are, should not happen, do not comply. Um, so, you know, again, regarding these mandates, I just want to read from you or read to you the nursing code of ethics, which is uh i'm sure there's obviously there's a medical code of ethics too but you know the right to making your own medical decisions and the right to having informed consent uh stems from the nuremberg code which was done after the nuremberg trials after the holocaust um you know the last time there were crimes against humanity and at the very forefront of the nursing code of ethics is the right to self-determination which states that uh, self-determination, also known as autonomy, is the philosophical basis for informed consent in healthcare. Patients have the moral and legal right to determine what will be done with their own person, to be given accurate, complete, and understandable information in a manner that facilitates an informed judgment, to be assisted with weighing the benefits, burdens, and available options in their treatment, including the choice of no treatment, to accept, refuse, or terminate treatment without deceit, undue influence, duress, coercion, or penalty. They're telling those who are unvaccinated that they cannot be a part of society. And that to me is duress, coercion, and penalty. And we need to fight this at every level. In regards to taking place in um, research, because we are in research, says uh, uh, provision 3.3, the protection of participants in research. Stemming from the right to self-determination, each individual has the right to choose whether or not to participate in research. It is imperative that the patient or legally authorized surrogate receives sufficient information that is material to an informed decision to comprehend that information and to know how to discontinue participation in research without penalty. Necessary information to achieve an adequately informed consent includes the nature of participation, potential harms and benefits, and available alternatives to taking part in the research. Um, Do you think people know there are available alternatives to taking part in the research? or the potential harms and benefits, because I don't. And if you, you know, regardless of whether or not you know any of this information, if you are a healthcare worker who is shaming and intimidating and bullying people into making making a decision that they don't want to do, everybody has the right to decide what will be done to their own body. And I think it's a shame. So with the hospitals mandating all of these you know, hospitals have started mandating that their healthcare workers uh, be vaccinated. And as of right now, uh, 20% at least, um, you know, people are under the threats of losing their livelihoods and losing their 401Ks and all sorts of stuff. And as of right now, 20% of the hospital workers are not vaccinated. And supposedly we are having this huge crisis and they're saying that we're gonna get slaughtered by COVID again, and yet hospitals are willing to fire 20% of their workers when they are already understaffed, there was a nursing shortage before the pandemic started. And then when it hit, a lot of people quit. And since then, a lot of people have been extremely stressed and frustrated and tired, just like everybody in the world. Like, you know, we have to deal with everything that's happening in the world, but then what's happening in the hospital too. And a lot of people have just said, this is not for me and they've walked away. So hospitals across the world are extremely short staffed right now. And yet hospitals are saying that they are willing to fire 20% of their staff when there's this big looming threat. It makes zero sense and also please keep in mind that doctors and nurses are willing to lose everything that they have worked for to give up a career that they love in order to not take this vaccine so you know what happens if if they fire 20% of the you know hospital workers the patient ratios are going to go you know through the roof your nurses your doctors will have more patients and care will suffer and people are going to die so you know i guess i just want to close it out by <laughs> saying that <laughs> You know, there is no finish line. There will never be a point where we can wear enough masks or get enough vaccinations to make, you know, to make this stop. It has been 18 months past two weeks to slow slow the spread. And I, I do not care if you are on the left or if you are on the right or what color your skin is. We are not enemies. The government is your enemy. The media is your enemy. Big Pharma and Big Tech are your enemies. And they have done a beautiful job at pitting us against each other. And you know, there is no way that any of this is going to stop until we make it stop if we keep going down this road it will only get worse they're using fear and propaganda to control us you're being emotionally manipulated and you are being intentionally deceived and our rights and our freedoms and our liberties are being ripped out from under us and it's not going to stop unless we make it stop so you know get mad and get loud because they will not stop and this needs to stop we cannot implement vaccine passports or mandates and this vaccine, I truly believe that the vaccination campaign needs to stop. So, you know, all the stuff that is coming down,
1: do not comply with it. And, you know,